So that was Sharing Things Season 5. Thank you to all our amazing guests. To Kevin, Aisha, George, Tammy, David, Caroline, Noam, Olivia, Lily and Deborah. Thank you for your openness, your honesty and of course your sharing. Also big thanks and total respect to Ayanda, our host and fearless community explorer. Wishing you the best of luck with your final year, you'll absolutely smash it. We had loads of favourite moments this season, but these conversational snippets stuck with us. Let's start with our host special where we got to meet Ayanda Ingobeni in conversation with myself, Kate Stewart. Family is definitely those group of people that you kind of got stuck with when you're born. <laughs> but that just love you unconditionally. It's For me, family signifies a safe space. Um, people who will just always have your back. Um, and it was so important for me to select something that relates to family because I'm so far away from them now for long periods of time when for a good 21 years of my life, that's all I knew. Um, so yes, family just signifies, you know, who I am today, who I've grown up to be. And, you know, those are the people you go through thick and thin with and people who know you most in the world. Um, I'm very fortunate and very lucky to have a family like that. Um, and I miss them dearly. And same with I, when Kate was speaking about um, her sister earlier, it got me like a little emotional because that's the, a similar bond that my sister and I have. Um, you know, <laughs> I guess my sense of humor definitely comes from her. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have like our own little like cute language and so on. And I think it was very important to me to um, pick something that relates to family. I didn't even do it consciously, but now that I think about it, it, it was very important to me because it just signifies a very strong tie of who I am today, who, you know, it's just, yeah, it just gets me all mushy inside, you know. It's, it's family, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and when you said about the, the object that you chose, it was like you weren't doing it consciously. That was the exact same for me because, yeah, I was looking through all these different things that I had collected, some tickets, etc. But this one, because it had that, family connection now kind of reflecting back on why I chose it it's yeah your family are the people that know you best mm. I suppose um I feel like I can just completely be myself around my family and thinking about the connection I have with my sister as well you know just like the inside jokes and mm -hmm. you know just it's I don't think I could have that with any other person I don't think mm. there's anyone that gets me as much as my sister gets me Olivia Sweeney and Nuam Hatzel. And I think it's also the confidence to be wrong and change your mind. Like I think I have to be not had to be right. I would hold hold on to things like I decided mm. I'm gonna do this and now I'm gonna see it mm -hmm. through to the bitter end, despite the fact I hate mm. what I'm doing right now. Whereas now I'm like, no, I've got enough going on in my mm -hmm. life, I'm just gonna let that go and I don't mind the yeah. fact that I'm evolving. I think it's like the pressure isn't it like the when you're 21 you, you're surrounded by so many interesting and amazing influences in your life that you're kind of like oh I want to be like this person or I want to be like this group now and then you kind of and it takes you a while at least certainly for me to kind of find like the kind of group or the, the type of person that you want to be and to be okay with the fact that it might not fit with 
A or might not fit with B, but you know, whatever. Like this is who I am. I must I must agree. I mean, I was twenty one like three years ago, so maybe I don't have that much to say about like, you know, growth. But I, I think moving away like from home and coming here, I've there's a lot that has changed about mm-hmm. me. And I think the beauty of it, as you guys mentioned, the whole thing about being comfortable in what you believe in. I think I'm approaching that as well and kind of getting into that space. But how do you then interact with the environment around you that is used to you being a certain way and now you've changed? How how do you how do you like deal with that? <laughs> Run away. <laughs> um, so uh yeah, uh university, I was there for five years. Um and then I I've moved twice. Yeah, I have an expiry date I think on on being in a place. And that's and that's not necessarily related to what you were saying, but I therefore you kind of don't have to deal with that, which is a nice thing, apart from the people I choose to keep and they obviously mm, yeah. get it and evolve with you and are like part of that. And I think if you're talking about wider society, that's that's a different thing, isn't it? So I don't know with that. Sometimes you shut it out, sometimes you let it in, I suppose. If people reach out from your my past so to speak may that be kind of through university stuff or through friendships or or work I think they've seen my evolution so there's something that resonates in that new iteration Mm -hmm. what about you um I think I would say that there's always an element of who of the previous version of yourself in your current version of yourself so I think um so I'm thinking primarily of the fact that like I went to SOAS in London I don't know if you guys know it it's the School of Oriental African Studies and it's got a reputation for being a very left-wing radical university which I love 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 um but myself there is more outspoken than myself in Edinburgh for various reasons um but when I'm back in SOAS when I'm engaging with activist spaces all that kind of stuff like yeah that's that's who I am and how I am in Edinburgh doesn't necessarily mean that I've kind of forgotten who I am back in London um, or that aspect of my personality that's a bit more vocal about political social justice issues all that kind of stuff it's just like I'm I'm wearing a different hat. Aisha Holloway and Kevin Harmon. I think it's like everything you you know you come across everyone in society and here's the thing that you learn from day one is that everyone is equal Mm. if if the consistency is that everyone gets the same care because they are as equal to someone else. Mm-hmm. A bit like doctors have the Hippocratic Oath, nurses don't have that, but there is a, it's it's in you, it's part of, it's it's just part of what you do and your, your partner will be doing the same. You know, everyone in that health profession is, is there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's to take away pain and pain, it can be physical, emotional, it's to, provide comfort they're not basic things i don't like that word there's no such thing as basic care there's essential care yes you know there's nothing basic about caring for somebody because there is an emotional connection there's that the thing i the emotional labor being aware of that emotional labor is really important in self-care you know Mm -hmm. how can you care for others if you're not caring for yourself Mm -hmm. and even when I'm speaking, it sounds quite simple, but it's a huge challenge for all of us yeah. to take care of ourselves. How much of your work involves that emotion? It, it overrides mm. like so much. Oh God, if I'm sitting idle, 
I feel like, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm able-bodied. I am fortunate enough to have all my limbs. I've got something in my head. I'm, I, I can put things together. If I'm sitting idle and I'm not using this, I'm not doing the best. So I need to maximize this, the usage of this. And some of the emotions that I get are, like, absolutely driven towards um, creating a better society. I see... It's not about just me and my family. It's about the, the community that looks after everybody. And if we can com- concentrate on that and make that a bit better, things things can get better. Things things can become sort of warmer and g- generous. You know. <laughs> and so so sorry. I, I get like that part, that that emotion comes out, and I try. I try. I try, probably try to do too much. Mm. So kind of looking after yourself is important. I f- I think that's sometimes maybe neglected when ambition and vision uh, keep you (laughs) jumping towards the edge. (laughs) Deborah Kayembe and Lily Mellon. For me, stuff like these games do provide a form of escapism and a break from things. I am definitely someone who can't switch off quickly or easily and so quite often I'll I'll find myself multitasking relaxing things so that's there so there's no space for extra thoughts or little to-do list things because taking time for yourself can just be so important and Mm. all my previous jobs have been always been so immersive I work for a sound company in Glasgow so PA live events music gigs and things like that and when you go away working with people, even if just for a week on something, you, you really enter this bubble and you work long hours with people and you get really close so your time is really snatched up or you become immersed temporarily in this thing and this project and the next. And also I opened in Sweden for two years and again, you know, I, I lived in with the family and even if I technically finish my work in the evening, the kids do not disappear, that you cannot pack them away for the next morning. So it becomes a major part of your life and your existence and your identity is really attached to your work and I think I'm always someone who's attached my identity to my work and surrounded myself with people who are doing the same and I've I've felt that really recently about student life and studying at the university or or just studying in general perhaps there's also an element of being confined or way more confined during COVID restrictions as it's that lack of kind of gap or boundaries when you're a 24-hour student compared to a nine-to-five office thing somewhere but until your course completes there's the next assignment and there's something hanging in the background requiring attention so there's no set hours it's your project and I've been doing my own research project for the past year and I'm it's my own or I'm in charge of it and it's my responsibility for that and so technically I can always be doing something and often my response to that is when I feel like I'm doing a lot is to do more and I know that there are several people out there and that phrase of saying you know ask a busy person to get something done I think really holds true but sometimes it's just about how you take time for just you and how Mm. when Mm -hmm. you have lots of roles or when you're someone who defines themselves in many ways by their work and are wearing different hats maybe in your job or in your life in general then you just take time and switch off and that is this object for me or a representation of 
of that within this object. I still play games today on consoles which aren't broken or just on my phone and I'll have a YouTube rabbit hole playing in the background or some really rubbish TV and my mind just goes blank and I take that time and I I go back to things I'm doing, I think, better for it. So this object is kind of wrapped up either in escapism and quiet for me or the opposite and be, being surrounded by people and noise and and yeah life all right what about you deborah what's what's your escape many people does not know this i'm a very spiritual person and my escape is in the bible because in my life i face a lot of torture physical torture and mental abuse i had that too much as a child and i grew up with it and i've grown from it so I've had have the exercise of protecting my soul mm-hmm. and keeping my soul healthy and using the Bible, the reading of the Bible and impersonating the reading of the Bible is my escape. Every time people do bad things to me, every time people plan something bad to me, I always have the Bible reading. Psalm 23, I read that a lot. Glorify God in his magnificence. This mm-hmm. is my escape. Many people not, doesn't know that they, they mm-hmm. think I'm not spiritual. I am extremely, I'm deeply spiritual. And that is my strength because I know to whom to talk, to whom to open up, and to whom to glorify. When I am reduced to nothing, I glorify him. Tammy Piper and George McGavin. I, I mean, it, it is bizarre that having had a stammer, at a young age that got worse and worse until I was about 14, when it was literally the worst ever. In fact, for a year between the age of 14 and 15, I didn't speak uh, at home or at school. I was a self-imposed mute because there was no point. There was literally no point. And if you had come, Ayanda, from the future uh, in a time machine to me aged 14, and had told me, right, George, um, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to become a university lecturer, and not just at any university, at Oxford University. You're going to do that for mm-hmm. 25 years. Uh, and then when you finish that, you're going to become a television presenter making, you know, dozens and dozens of documentaries and short films for the BBC. Uh, I would have thought you insane. I literally could not have imagined anything less probable than that. Mm. And so when I talk to kids about this, uh, I, I impress on them the fact that you never can tell what's around the corner. You just don't know. And it might seem totally unreachable. It might seem a goal that you will never, ever attain. But you just don't know. You just don't know. I don't know if something in me made me want to prove to myself or to prove to other people that that I was not handicapped in this way. I don't know. But certainly, uh, I think it is now vitally important that people understand the natural world. We cannot survive on a bare rock. We are dependent on millions of species for the, the air we breathe, for the food mm-hmm. we eat, for the fibres and materials we use, and we just don't realise it yet. When I was younger, I was painfully shy. Couldn't talk to anyone. And I got really um, awkward and embarrassed easily, and I didn't have the easiest of childhoods. 
and but I was clever. And so I just knew that I wanted to study science because it meant I had an opportunity to go away from my difficult home and live somewhere totally different and be amongst people who didn't know me. Ironically, one of my first jobs when I left school was as a tour guide in an aquarium doing children's parties and talking to members of the public, which I managed to do. And it gave me real confidence. And then when I left university, I, like I said, I kind of fell into pathology and the research side of it. There's an aspect of me wanting to prove, because I think about, you know, the other people from my hometown who I was in school with, for example, and how their lives panned out for them. And I kind of wanted to make sure that that didn't happen to me necessarily. But I also wanted to just, I didn't have an example of somebody from my sort of town with my sort of background doing these sorts of work, doing this type of studying or this type of job. So I kind of want to be that example. So when people say, yeah, well, it's all right for them because they come from money or whatever. And I'm like, well, I didn't come from money and I'm doing this. You know, mm. I'm a girl. I'm doing this. I went to state school. I'm still doing this. So I kind of I think that's my drive now mm. is to try and show to people from certain demographics. Actually, no, you can do this. I was like you, you know, I left home at 16. It's fine. You, you can do this. It may not be easy, but you can still do it. <laughs> so that's mm. kind of what drives me a bit. David Weinsack and Caroline Norton. It can change your life, those moments yeah. of indecision, those moments of doubt. And I guess what I would say to people struggling with that is um, as much as it might be challenging in the moment, um, the one time that it pays off is going to be worth all the times that it didn't. Because I think a lot of the time the imposter syndrome is is experienced by people who are really, really ambitious and who care so, so yeah. much. And I remember there was a lecture that we had and he said, don't be paralyzed by ambition. And I thought that was such a wonderful thought that I always, always keep with me because I need to write that Yeah, down. because There's so many things you know, that are coming out of here today. I just yeah. always think about it because it's true. I get so excited about something and I'm so passionate about it or whatever. And that starts paralyzing me and then that imposter syndrome really starts to come in and something that began as this amazing opportunity that I want to share with everyone has just turned into this horrifically uh you know nerve-wracking experience that I'm terrified about even just starting because you know what if it doesn't materialize um yeah. But like you said, I mean, you, you've got to do it because what if? Um, I was just wondering, Caroline, if you have, um, you know, a way of sort of talking yourself down from that or to, or trying to yeah, step back from that all or nothing mentality, mentality. because uh, that that resonates, you know, it's yeah. like if you've not, um, you know, if, if you're not like, you know, in the Forbes 30 under 30, right. you know, right. then why are you even bothering, right. you know, and that, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, if you want to talk about toxic mindset, it's true, oh, though, it's true, yeah, you know, yeah like, like, that's the fastest way to get yeah, there, you're just kind of like, yeah. oh, why, why am I bothered, I think those experiences are sort of like, you're not grounded in reality, because you're just so caught up in your head, and you're so caught up in these contingencies of, you know, if, when, where, how, why, um, that it, I feel like I'm grounded by having friends that are different, you know, and working yeah. so hard and creating a, a network and a support group and a community that is not the echo chamber. Um, and that I find hugely, hugely important. And I think about all these stories that are around me and I'm thinking of, you know, this person doing this and this person doing that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that mm -hmm. is grounding. It makes me talk myself down. Cause I'm like, 
you know, things are out of your control. And you know, all these brilliant people that are so different that have gotten to their places in such different ways. And you're just another one of those people that's going to do it your own way. And calm down, you know, calm down. It's really um, special and I think important as well to to sort of acknowledge in in that scenario that, um, you know, yeah, you have these these friends and, you know, these colleagues, acquaintances from all these different walks of life doing these incredible things. And, you know, you probably think the world of some of them and someone in that circle, you know, thinks the world of you and thinks you're doing incredible, amazing things. And just be like, wow, like, yeah, these people chose me to be a part of their lives as well. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. cool. Sharing things will return in 2022. Maybe we'll be back in the studio again, meeting our guests face to face rather than over a dodgy internet connection. You never know, here's hoping. In the meantime, stay tuned for a winter treat, a Christmas special that asks podcast listeners about their favourite gifts. What makes something special? Why do we treasure some things and re-gift others? If you fancy sharing your gift memories, contact us at alumni at ed.ac.uk and be part of the Sharing Things audio tapestry of people and memories. Mm